I'm so pumped up to talk to you today. I'm on fire for entrepreneurs today. I am so excited that you've decided to do this, and I know you have. But today, I want to share with you six things that I wish someone had like drilled into my head as I started my entrepreneurial journey. And that's what I'm sharing with you here today on Build Your Tribe. A great deal of what I learned about entrepreneurship, about marketing, about sales, about business, I learned from my dad. I grew up in a household where my dad had, I mean, I can't even count how many businesses he started and failed and started and failed and started and succeeded at throughout my life. I was never afraid of failure. I was never afraid to try. I always believed that I would be an entrepreneur, a business owner. That in and of itself is an advantage, is a privilege. If you are raising kids right now and you're a business owner, I think that's the greatest gift that you could give them. Like think about the security that you can give a child if they know even if they have a stellar job, they could support themselves. They could be their own boss. They could create financial freedom and provide for their family. But even with that said, today somebody asked me on Instagram what advice I would have for someone who was starting off as an entrepreneur. Like this person has just started a business and they wanted to know what is the advice that I didn't get that I wish I had been told. So I won't be covering those things that I've talked about many times here on the show before because that's advice you've probably heard before. If not from me, you've heard it from somebody else. I'm going to give you the six pieces of advice that I think we rarely tell new entrepreneurs or struggling business owners. And the first of which is that you're never going to feel like you've made it. <laughs> and it's a gift and a curse. Because when you have the mindset of an entrepreneur, you just are always mentally moving the bar. You know, I remember how desperately I wanted to have a thousand people on my email list. I remember thinking that if I reached a hundred thousand people on my email list, I'd be done, like enough. I would be able to retire. It would be over. I, I remember thinking that if I made several million dollars, I would think I'd arrived. I would buy everyone I know who I love and care about a home or a house and I would retire. I would be done. I remember thinking that if I could just hit name the mark, if I were a New York Times bestseller, if I had a number one infomercial, if I reach this level or managed to accomplish this goal, well, then I will have arrived. I will feel accomplished. I will feel as though I've done it. But the fact of the matter is you are a different breed and you have to realize right now you're so much further along than you ever thought you would be. And that can be a real curse. When you don't feel like you've done enough or you are enough, it's hard to experience peace. And no one ever taught me that. No one ever told me I would feel that. I had to learn that the hard way. And if you feel that right now, I would tell you if you're spending a lot of time focusing on how to be a better business owner, how to accomplish more, how to get more followers, make more money, build your email list, all those things, I would tell you it is equally important to spend time learning how to turn that off. And we're afraid to sometimes because we think, oh, well, then I'll lose my competitive edge. If I'm not hungry, the competition will eat me. And that's not true. I've learned, and in fact, I would say I'm far more successful financially today when I was, my brain was being ravished by those thoughts. Learning how to rest, learning how to pace myself, learning how to say no, learning how to go like, who cares? It's fine. It's enough. It's good enough. 
I've had to learn to practice gratitude and to set up boundaries and parameters and safeguards so that I'm reminding myself always that it's enough. It's enough. But at the same time, to expect that even though I feel abundantly blessed and I have enough and I've done enough, that I need to be excited that more is coming my way, but I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it to be a better person. I don't need it to prove myself. All these accomplishments don't mean anything if I can't enjoy myself, my life, my family. So I have to always remind myself that like more is coming. I don't have to worry about it. More is coming and I don't need it, but I'm excited it's on its way. And that's an abundancy mindset. The number two thing I wish someone had told me a long time ago was that there's a big, huge difference between shifting and quitting. They are not the same thing. I see too many entrepreneurs that will not let go of a ship that is sinking because they do not want to be a quitter. And there's a big difference between shifting and quitting. Be smart. Know when it's time to cut your losses and don't think of it as quitting. Think of it as, okay, shifting. I mean, unless you're really quitting. So really quitting is when you're like, okay, well, I tried to build a business and it failed. And so now I'm going to go back to my job. Maybe that feels like you're quitting, but in my mind, that would be a temporary shift. That's a shift to be able to provide some security for your family, maybe, while you continue to build your business back up. The only way you can quit is if you just don't try. But shifting, it's smart. And you want to be smart. If your business is bleeding you dry and there's no real relief in sight, like we're talking pandemic style, you own a small boutique gym and your governor isn't opening up anytime soon and you're just month after month after month incurring lease costs and who knows what else. And you're looking at the future that is going to be dramatically different for gyms. Don't quit the gym, but shift. Shift into another type of business. You could always go back to that later, but to just hold on and hold on because you don't want to be a quitter doesn't make you a smart entrepreneur. Holding on longer than you should long after you know it's time to shift just means that your ego is stronger than your common sense. So pay attention to your common sense and know when it's time to shift. Number three, I wish someone had told me that you just need to start before you're ready and then prepare yourself. Most people do the opposite. They prepare, prepare, continue to prepare. They perfect things. They create systems and plans and they spend so much time preparing that they never actually start. I wish someone had told me, start before you're ready and then never stop preparing. You need to know more than your competition. You need to know more than you knew yesterday. You need to continually prepare, get better, and have an insatiable curiosity, a thirst to know more about what you're doing, what you're doing right, what you could do better, what your competition is doing, because your goal should be to be better. And by better, I don't mean work harder. I mean, your goal should be every single day to think, how can I make this easier? How can I be more successful, but in a smarter way? And the only way that's going to happen is if you outlearn, outstudy, outstrategize what you were doing the day before. It's not about working harder. It's about getting smarter. Number four, you have to reframe the way you feel about failure. In fact, you're going to need to face failure as just simply a detour. That's all it is. It's not a stop sign. Never is. 
It's a part of the process. It is not a reflection of you. It's not meant to make you quit. It's meant to make you shift. It's meant to make you take a slightly different route. It's meant to serve you so that you can do better so that life and your business and everything else gets easier. So don't worry about failures. In fact, you're going to have to face failures. In fact, you're going to have to fail your way to success. Number five, and this is a big one, and I don't know if many people agree with me, but I've learned in my 25 years, actually more than that, I think it's like 30 years of doing business, that oftentimes people suggest you're supposed to follow your greatest passion. And while I think it's really important that you have passion for what you're doing, I think that is a misnomer. I think it's more important to follow the greatest opportunity for which you have passion, not the greatest passion for which there is a sliver of an opportunity. You know, you have enough interests that you don't have to pursue the one that is the most passionate for you, like the thing that you were put on this planet to do. I think you need to go like, okay, here's a killer opportunity right now. And I kind of like this. It's not the thing I want to like do the rest of my life, but there's a great opportunity. Success as an entrepreneur has so much more to do with timing than it does with your passion. I mean, think about it. If we waited until the timing lined up with the thing that we were the most passionate for, most people would never really experience true success. And if I hadn't experienced true success in things that I had some passion for, but not the most passion for, I wouldn't have had the money or the success or the experience to pour more money, more time, and more know-how into things that I have incredible passion for like this, like teaching people how to start a business and helping people understand marketing is the thing that I could jump up and down for hours doing. I freaking love it. I have more passion for this than just about anything, more than I have for fitness or diet or products or fashion or any of the other things that I've done in my businesses and career. I have so much passion for what I'm doing right now, but there were many times in my life where I had to put teaching, marketing, and business off to the side because it wasn't the right opportunity at that moment. All right, my number six piece of advice for you is that, and this is hard, but you got to learn how to do this. Business isn't personal for 99% of people. And even if it is, does feel very personal for you, you have to remember that having a business is an asset. It is not a reflection of who you are as a person, even though you might be building a business that is reflective of your ethics and reflective of who you are. Whether or not that business succeeds is not a reflection of whether or not you succeed. And that's hard. I would be lying to you if I told you I've got that figured out. I still struggle with that. I can't wait to tell you about the success of a startup that we created about four years ago, five years ago now. I can't share with you all the details, the whole story, but I'm I'm going to at some point. I just think it's a little premature at this stage, but man, we have turned things around and oh, was there ever a messy middle. So I guess that would be my bonus tip for you is that you often hear about when people start a company, right? You hear about founders, three of them in a, you know, one bedroom apartment and they all worked through the night and drank coffee and ate Doritos or they started this business in their garage. And then you hear about them on MSNBC and they're selling their company or they're going public. And 
you hear about these stories and we read about them and you listen to those people on podcasts. But the part that we often overlook is the messy middle. And there is a messy middle for just about every successful business. Some middles are much more painful and much more messy than others. But man, we have climbed our way out of a disastrous time in our business. And it felt like it was going to be the end. And we were just so close to making that shift. And we decided to hold on just a little longer, not due to emotion, but we set measures like, okay, if it hits this mark, then we'll do this. And if we don't hit this mark, then we will do this. But you have to have those measures because otherwise you do feel like you're quitting. And that can make you feel like it's a reflection on you that you're a quitter or that you're a failure, but it's not personal. Even if your business fails, that doesn't mean you failed. You are not the business. It might feel like it's an extension of you. It might feel like it's a reflection on you, but ultimately it's not. You can't take it personal. Don't take it personal when you lose your biggest client. Don't take it personal when people copy exactly what you're doing or they go behind your back and they're disloyal because I've found that 99% of people, maybe it's lower than that, but the majority of people just aren't going to be as loyal or as honest or as ethical as I expect people to be. And that's okay. I can't take it personal. And I used to take it very freaking personal. Like if someone lied to me or if they tried to give me the short end of a contract, someone tried to cheat me out of money or overcharge me or steal an employee or copy something that I've done. I used to take it so personal and I don't anymore. Now I'm like, well, it's just, that's how people are in business. It's not how I am. And that's okay. And so it's, really refreshing when I do meet people who operate with that same type of integrity, but I don't disappoint myself by expecting it. I don't expect people to reciprocate. I don't expect people to do for us what we've done for them. And if I did, then it certainly wouldn't be very genuine to think of the things that we've done for other people. I want to do nice things for our customers. I want to over-deliver and under-promise and I want to blow people away and surprise them and delight them, whether they're our customers or people that we work with. Every contract that we enter into, I always say to myself, I want this person to feel like we're getting the short end of the stick. And I want people to think to themselves, hmm, is there a catch here? Like, why are they doing this for me? I want people to feel that way. And I need to do that from the goodness of my heart because it's the right thing to do. And if I'm doing it because I'm expecting other people to reciprocate, well, then I have to question my own motives. So it's hard not to take business personal, but it's much easier if you can learn not to. And the same is true of your customers. When your customers aren't happy with something that you've done, like, oh, Amanda, we have a huge blunder today. Okay, side note. So we are experimenting with this new SMS program that we have, and you've probably received a text message from me in the past. Well, today, one of our businesses that focuses on just serving women in nutrition, which is phase it up. We sent out a text message to them and it's always very customized. So the text message started with, hey girl, <laughs> right? But the contractor I was using today accidentally sent that text message to people who are on a segmented text message list, SMS list for marketing. And they're men and women and they're not interested in nutrition. And they all got this text message today. I think we sent out 20,000 messages that were like, hey girl, (laughs) 
Yeah, that was not good. And it's hard to know that you've disappointed your customers, you've made a mistake, and that they're angry with you. But you have to remember they're angry with the business, and people don't think of a business as being an individual. It's really easy to send an angry tweet. I know I did this recently. I had a pretty negative experience on Delta Airlines, and I wrote one of those emails that wasn't very nice. And I thought to myself after I wrote it, of course I deleted it, but after I wrote it, I thought, this is exactly the kind of email that when we get it from a customer, we're like, you know, did you ever think for a minute that someone's going to sit down at their desk and that's the very first thing that they're going to read and they're just trying to serve their customers. They're just trying to do their best and you're going to rip them up one side and down the other. Like that's not very kind. And I started to write one of those emails because sometimes we forget that businesses are actually comprised of people with real feelings. But most people don't remember that, myself included. And so here I was writing this scathing email and I had to stop myself and remember what that feels like for me when someone sends one of those emails or a member of my team, when they get an email like that, you know, you're up in arms and you're angry and you forget that there's a person behind that who's going to receive that message. But keep that in mind the next time you get an angry tweet or an angry DM or an angry email from one of your customers, people forget that you're actually human, right? And we have these very high expectations for businesses. So the best advice that I can give to you is to remember that it's the product, service, or business that they're unhappy with. It's not necessarily you, even though it can feel very, very personal. I mean, even when I might read a negative review about the podcast, oh man, that can sometimes feel personal. And then I just have to remember, you know, I've got to think of even this podcast as being a product. I hope that advice has been helpful to you. I hope that you'll take it to heart. I hope that you will remember that this is not for the weak. This is something that takes great tenacity and determination. And man, is it rewarding. The freedoms that come with figuring out how to do what you do better so that you don't have to work so hard. The rewards that come from sharing what it is you've learned and to create that kind of freedom. It's next to impossible to describe the feeling that I get when I think about how much fun I have creating businesses and teaching other people to do the same. Listen, I want to thank you so much for joining me here today on Build Your Tribe. It is my goal to be brief, to be bright, to make it fun, and then be done. Ladies and gentlemen, we are done. Hey, I wanted to tell you about this super cool VIP experience that is a part of our Instagram growth and engagement challenge. This offer is seriously so cool. You get access to recorded live trainings by Shaleen and I, where you will learn how to actually grow your following and increase your engagement. In this challenge, you will learn things like the latest hashtag strategies, how to 10X your engagement, what to post with text reminders to actually help you post, how to get more followers in five days. You'll get a 30-day content calendar so that you won't have to worry about coming up with content anymore. You'll also get access to, like I said earlier, the five live recorded workshops and five bonus recorded Q&A sessions. And that's all just for the price of $37.95. Basically, by the end of this challenge, you will be an IG master. I have gotten so many DMs from people following this challenge telling me how their engagement is just through the roof. 
how they're getting 70% more likes on their photos, how they're getting way more comments and they're getting way more reach on the explore page and via hashtag. So if you want to finally break through on Instagram and take it to the next level, then I highly recommend joining our Instagram growth and engagement challenge. To learn more and to join the VIP experience, which I highly recommend you do, just visit shaleen.com slash IG growth.